It's the Brew Ha Ha Podcast. Hey there, everybody. It's Herlinda from Brew Ha Ha, co-host. We are on a hiatus right now uh, with the live broadcast radio, but some big breaking news in the beer world, probably the biggest news that's happened in years, broke while we were on break, and we decided to jump on it since we have so many friends at Anchor Brewing. Their newest buyer, Sapporo from Japan, decided to close Anchor Brewing, sent shockwaves throughout the beer world and the business world, and also just a lot of sentimental thoughts going out there. So we got one of our favorite guests, Bob Brewer, on the show, who was with Anchor for 32 years, and national sales manager, trade relations, and many other capacities, and he talks about his feelings the day that the news broke, we got together, and it had a very heartfelt conversation, a little history, and almost a little tears. Take a listen. We'll see you back soon on Brouhaha. Cheers. Hi, everyone. I'm Herlinda Haras here in beautiful Sonoma County, and very lucky to be here in Petaluma, where so many of my beer friends live, uh, including Mark Carpenter from Anchor, and Bob Brewer, who we have here in the studio today, uh, who was with Anchor Brewing, how long? 32 years. It was? Okay, I've been saying 30 years, so I was pretty good there, 32 years. And I'm not even going to try to explain what you did there. I mean, I know you did sales, but you were so much more than sales. I mean, everybody knows Bob Brewer. Everybody, everything from the, you know, the small bars and Judy Ashworth back in the day, um, who had the first craft you know beer bar pub in america uh lions and um then but even when i go to like poland or someplace like you know in europe they know who you are and they definitely know about anchor brewing so tell us what your titles have been <laughs> okay um originally when i was hired in 1985 mm-hmm. uh i had re- i had uh, left working eight years for a beer distributor in Marin County that was the uh, uh, master wholesaler for the Anchor Brewing Company. And um, I did a lot of uh, keg work. I, I did a, uh, drove a keg truck selling Anchor Steam Beer kegs in San Francisco for a couple of years. How old were you then? What year was that? That would, that would have been from um, uh, uh, 77... Uh, through 85. But I did a number of things for that. I was a salesman. I was a draft beer specialist. I was a draft technician, installer. I drove a beer truck. I did warehousing. I unloaded the trucks. I loaded the trucks (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so forth. And uh, I I ended up, uh, they had an opening. They needed somebody to drive the keg truck delivering Anchor Steam Beer kegs in San Francisco. Oh, and on those I, hills. <laughs> and I uh, said, I want that job. I don't want to be a salesman anymore. I want that job delivering cakes. And um, it was quite a job. Because super busy back then, I'm super sure. Super busy and hills and uh, uh, difficult parking and cellars and sidewalk elevators. and. So you like a challenge. Oh, and I it was hear. great. And I was young <laughs> and strong. And uh, I was asked uh, by – the uh, famous bartender at uh, Vesuvio in Vesuvio, North, Vesuvio North Beach. Vesuvio, best bar in the, the, uh, His name escapes me now. He was a famous daytime bartender there. 
And he says, uh, I says, don't you ever get tired of, you know, dragging kegs, you know, in and out and up and down the stairs in San Francisco? And I said, I had the best job in the world. I get to deliver the best beer in the world to the best people in the world in the best city in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, eventually I had to um, leave uh, the distributor because my wife, uh, who I was putting through college at the time, and she was in engineering school at, uh, Cal, oh, at Cal, wow. Cal Berkeley. I like that. You're like beer and she was getting her engineering degree. In petroleum engineering. Wow. And um, she got a job. She was a returning student. She got a job uh, with a uh, natural gas utility in Southern California that paid very well. And uh, the deal was that um, I would relocate to Southern California with her. And I had gone to high school there, so I knew my way around. And then it would be my turn to go to school. But that somehow never happened. And uh, uh, one day Mark Carpenter called me up. And he knew me very well from from the San Francisco days. And he said that they needed somebody with my experience in draft beer and sales to be their marketing rep for Southern California, which was their second biggest market uh, because they weren't getting any love from their distributors or something. And and um, oh, so yeah. So I, I uh, said, well, I, I I had kind of planned to go back to school or this or that, and I wasn't sure whether I wanted to get back in. And he said, well, can you come up to the brewery and talk to Fritz about it? <laughs> How do you say no to that, Fritz and Maytag? So uh, so I, I went up there and I knew the people were very well, and I knew Fritz quite well, and sat down in his office, and I was presented with. A situation which in the um, sales business is called the presumptive close. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've, I've been – And I sat down years. there and Fritz says, well, Bob, we are just delighted that you've decided to come and work for us. <laughs> and so much for my interview. <laughs> it's like, oh, I represent Anchor Steamer. When would you like your first delivery? <laughs> and so I did Southern California. But they also uh, sent me around to other markets. Well, we need somebody to go. Uh, we're just starting out in Kansas City, say, for example. And could you go to Kansas City and work with the wholesaler and uh, do some sales, you know, anchor special beer and talk it up and do some brewmaster dinners and that sort of stuff? And it went on from there. And then I come back to Southern California and I would bring guests up to the brewery. And, and, then, and then one day uh, Mark says, we're going to New York. Okay. so <laughs> Oh, you and Mark and Fritz too? No, just, just me and Mark. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so uh, New York was my territory and then various other places. And I ended up – I was going all over the place, uh -huh. um, uh, all the way from Key West to to, uh, to Anchorage and San Diego to Boston. What about yeah. any international stuff? Um, at one particular point, um, I was asked to go with a few other guys from the brewery to uh, England because we had – Yeah, England. Because we had a distributor there and I – they kind of overplayed it. It was actually not really a distributor in the the way that I understood it. They they did it completely different over there because they didn't have they didn't have something silly called prohibition yeah. that changed all of our distributorship laws and three tier system. And, and there was no such thing as territories and breweries owned a lot of pubs and it was this right. and that and the other and it was, it was quite an opening an eye opener. But um, uh, I said okay, fine. And uh, at the same time. There was a brewery called Devonish Breweries, and you may have heard of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, they had decided that they were going to make a product called Steam Beer, and they they um, essentially ripped off our, our trademark oh, wholesale. Oh, oh, oh. 
And um, Fritz was annoyed at that, but uh, you can't really defend a trademark unless you can prove that um, uh, you are also selling in that market. And uh, and 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 it was very interesting, uh, the whole beer culture over there. So I rattled around. I went over there five or six times. Uh, it's fun, huh? I love England. And did uh, yeah, oh there. oh uh, some big beer festivals there and uh, the Great British Beer Festival. Great British Fantastic. Beer Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably were one of the few American beers then that was there. Did you serve beer there? Or you just went there. For, you no, I brought some beer with me, and I, nice. I, I made my own jockey box out of an, uh, 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 an old wooden keg and uh, put on put on a big show. <laughs> now, you know, I figured you know it costs money just costs money to exhibit at these places. Yes. So the least I could do is you know put my best face on. <laughs> well, you were always entertaining, so I can. Oh, I, yeah. I wish I I wish I could have been back there then. So, yeah, some international and then uh, eventually uh, uh, went into some other markets. But I didn't have a part in that. I was way too busy over here. And, and uh, so they had another guy that did the uh, – did France and uh, Scandinavian countries and things like that. But it, it never really amounted to much. It was a very, very difficult um, uh, way to go because uh, uh, you never sold much. Mm-hmm. But you got a little bit around to the important places and, and it was more – you know, showing the flag rather than, you know, dumping truckloads of beer into a market. So Right. Well, and it was probably a novelty to them as well to have oh, yeah, this yeah. very old American very with a, you know, that came up with steam beer, you know, that we now know as California Common, the style. Mm-hmm. At some point, you know, I, I, I was I, – I had begun to wonder whether the beer was the novelty or whether I was. <laughs> I think both. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say both. I had – in, in, in England, I had an ally though. Because I was friends with Michael Jackson. Oh, Michael yes. Jackson, the, the, the beer hunter, the, the, the bard of beer, who had met many times, and he was based out of the London area, right. the Hammersmith area of, of uh, London. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would meet with him over there, and he took me around a couple times. And That's so cool. Introduced me to a few things. He uh, took me to Michael uh, Jackson's a legend. Not the one gloved Michael Jackson. This is the two, <laughs> no. two gloved dr- drinking beer. Yeah, he took me to a very Wrote special the world atlas of beer. Rollout at Young's Brewery one time, you know, where they oh, were. Yeah. At, uh, and that nobody showed up at except for me and him and. Uh, and uh, the brewmaster, but anyway, it was loads of fun. But anyway, there, there's there's a hundred stories like that. But anyway, I had an ally, Michael Jackson, and he was well known and well regarded. So uh, that yeah. that, that uh, I would show up, and Michael would show up, and then that would immediately establish my bona fides. You know, so. <laughs> anyway, you were legit with that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, I know that also Michael Jackson. I've seen an episode of Beer Hunter where he's on the bus with. Fritz Maytag and the brewers and employees of Anchor Brewing Company going to Yakima for a hop selection. Well, actually – Am I right? Uh, uh, very close. Yeah. Um, the Gone But Not Forgotten Christmas Ale, which is something mm. we, we may get into later yes, here. Yes, we need to. Um, uh, Fritz had a special uh, – uh, he employed, employed uh, through his um, barley source – uh, they would plant a special field of barley for him um, up in North, uh, Northern California, uh, actually just across the border in uh, Southern Oregon. Oh, okay. And uh, on the uh, east side of Mount Shasta. And he would take the, the group up there on a bus when they were harvesting the barley so that the employees could see 
and get a connection with the origins of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we rode around in combines and and uh, had a good time in town, such as the town was, you know. <laughs> Did they and, warn them before you guys got there? Oh, yeah. So, so anyway, we, that, that was the barley harvest. I only went to one of them because I was usually too busy at that time of year. But I was on that bus. You were on that bus. I was on that bus. I saw Mark on there. I didn't see. You must have been. Were you in the back? Where, where were you? Uh, well, I, we stopped at. You're pretty uh, tall. If you, how tall are you? 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. We in would. my socks. <laughs> um, on the way up, we stopped at um, uh, Mendocino Brewing Company. Oh, boy. Is that what Red it was called Tail back Ale. then? It Red, was. Red Tail Ale. We stopped at their yep. pub. And, uh, Don Barkley. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. You bet. And uh, we it's now uh, Hopland Tap and run at Lindenbush from yeah from the Lagunitas. Uh, yes, has it right. Wow. Anyway, and you can see me in that thing uh, uh, playing darts or something like that. Yeah. And oh. at the very end of the thing, it's kind of sunset, and there's the uh, uh, combine, and I'm talking to. Uh, Somebody asked me some questions about what I thought about it, so I, I, I waxed eloquent. <laughs> I'm sure. On, uh, and, and, and you, I was kind of off in the distance. And you could just hear my, I was like a voiceover. I waxed eloquent about how I thought it was very appropriate that Fritz was uh, giving us a, yeah, an opportunity to uh, connect with the uh, ingredients and so forth. Fritz Maytag really understood the people that worked for him and the beer and getting a sense of ownership. I mean... I know right now, I mean, so elephant in the room, today is July 12th, 2023, and it came out in the news that Sapporo, the new owners, somewhat new owners, have decided to close Anchor Brewing Company after 127 years. Yes, that is true. And I don't know too many brands. I mean, I've seen a lot of beer brewery closures over the years, of course, and they are all mostly sad that that's happening but there's a different sense with people that who've either worked there were trained there went to a christmas party there it's like a loss of a family member it it seems like to me i mean when i saw this of course automatically i messaged mark and thought of you and thought of everybody that works there of course but it's different it's not it's it's not just this is not just any old brewery well, it certainly is a legacy brewery, mm-hmm. and it's been a part of San Francisco history for a very long time, mm-hmm. and as well thought of, and uh, like many other things in San Francisco. But um, it changed hands. Fritz decided that he was going to retire, mm-hmm. and he sold the, sold the brewery to an investment group um, called the Griffin Group. Mm-hmm. And uh, was couple- Keith Gregor and those guys. Yes, yeah, I remember Keith. And uh, they invested a lot of money. They they. Uh, Built a whole marketing department that that didn't exist before, and hired a, a lot of more regional sales reps, and um, uh, experimented with different brands and and different styles of marketing, and a little bit more push on the distributors and so on and so forth. And um, they reeled me in from the field and said, "Well, we have a job for you uh, at uh, at Anchor." And we want you to be part of our marketing department. I said, oh, you want me to sit in a cubicle up on the fourth floor of the brewery? And I said, <laughs> well, I said yes, but. And what's the but? says, we want you to uh, do what you did at Anchor before you first met you guy, you at uh, 
a wholesaler's convention in Las Vegas, said Keith. And my mind, which I started reeling backwards, tick, 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 ding. Yes, I remember you. He and the gal they ended up working for in marketing, Lynn Lackey, stopped by the anchor booth at a wholesaler's convention at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. And it was late in the afternoon and everybody had left and I was the only one in the booth. And they came up and engaged me in conversation. And um, Keith with an English accent and uh, Lynn with a notebook. And I realized pretty quick that they just weren't a couple of wholesalers or whatever because they knew a lot more about Anchor than your average average passerby and were asking some very interesting questions. Mm. And – and I, I, you know, we, we talked for about a half an hour and exchanged pleasantries and they moved on. But then when he said, yes, we had first met you there and we thought that you made a good presentation, we'd like to have you in our marketing department. Smart people. And, uh, yeah, so uh, they got me into back into doing the trade shows, which um, uh, the brewery had kind of backed out of uh, for a while there. And I built a, a, a nice booth for them. And uh, You built a serious booth. This wasn't just like a nice booth. I remember this at Great American Beer Festival on the day that I met Mark Carpenter, that Glenn Payne brought me over to introduce me to Mark Carpenter. Remember Glenn Payne, a British I guy? Do, I do indeed. I remember him well. <laughs> Loved him. Such a good guy. Mm. Um, and I remember that booth, and it was the best booth at the entire Great American Beer Festival. It was either either World Beer Cup, uh, the, it was either the Brewers Association event, or it was GABF, but it Either way. It was a GABA. Okay. And I, Mark let me interview him right then and there and talk to him for a little bit. But you designed and built that booth. What a carpenter buddy might help me. <laughs> and you guys were like roadies, right? Like you guys wheeled it into a trade show and boop it up. Oh, yeah, like yeah, like, yeah. It was a cool booth. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it was over. We'd knock it down, put it in a truck and drove away. But, you know, we did that a number of times. About a good five-year run with that. So that was during when uh, – Keith and Tony. Yeah. Owned a brewery. Yes. And they also, between, between events, I did a whole lot of other stuff for them. They, they gave me a new title, which was uh, Trade Relations Manager. Ah, that actually makes a yeah. lot of sense. So I did a lot of uh, uh, celebrity tours, you know, and distributors would come in or customers and whatnot. I did special tours. I did a lot of public speaking. I did presentations at wholesalers. I did brewmaster dinners. I um, wrote articles for the website. Uh, they shot a bunch of videos for the, uh, of, of each brand of beer and mm. a little story behind it uh, for each of the brands. And they dragged me out to sit in front of the camera for a few of those. <laughs> Very few people besides like you, Fritz, Maytag, Mark Carpenter, and of course Dave Burkhart who wrote the book on the history of Anchor Brewing, the Anchor Brewing story, mm-hmm. know the history as well as you guys. Beer is not just the liquid in the glass. If you know some history, if you've met someone face to face, if you've got the relationship, you look at that glass differently. You know, you think about when you're looking at the taps differently. I've met that guy. I've gone to this, you know, brewmaster dinner. I know there's some, you know, I know about the integrity. I know about the history. Like I know how they feel about the Excuse me, but some people are oblivious. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's why you're, people like you 
are so valuable. And I don't see in these newer breweries. Oh, I, you know, I talked to a lot of breweries. If people use an ambassador like you, trade relations, and, and you're basically an ambassador. Yes. When you know something about them, like I think of it like old Kaz has some, you know, Brian Rangel, he's like such an ambassador for and, and, and unique and, and, you know, clever. But there's more to the beer that, than just this is the hops and here's the. Well, um, you want your audience mm-hmm. to make a connection mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to some, some degree when you're talking to a group of people. The first sales, first bit of salesmanship that you do, mm-hmm. is you sell yourself. Yes, the relationship. To them, yep. And then you sell the beer. That's why they remembered you. That's why Keith and Lynn remembered you. Well, I'm kind of an unforgettable character. <laughs> you know, I'm six and a half feet tall, and you know, so on and so forth. But yes, and I always figured that that's when I went in to deal with a distributor or a new mm-hmm. wholesaler or something. That was always my first sales job. Mm-hmm. If, if if the guy likes you, he'll buy your beer. If you're aggressive or don't know your stuff or um, you catch them on a bad day and uh, you, you, you learn very quickly whether or not they're interested and then you take it to the next step. If they're not and they don't want to, yes, I'll just pass on this like the next one. But the beer dinners especially, if you put on a, a really good presentation, um, there is a problem with a beer dinner though because there's usually four or five courses and a beer with each course. <laughs> and um, I don't see that as a problem there. It is when you are getting up there and making your introduction and they're bringing out the first course. They're bringing out Imperial Pints. Oh, God. And then you say – Super I'm, strong beers. I'm doomed. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you have to be very careful and tailor your presentation mm-hmm. because after the third course and the third beer, people begin to talk amongst themselves mm-hmm. and you're in danger of losing them. Yes. So I was the master of the fork on the glass, tink, tink, tink. Mm-hmm. And keeping it short and concise, especially toward the end. But they were good. And, and afterwards, I, um, there was always a half a dozen people that wanted to linger and ask questions. And then that's when you really had an opportunity to, 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 to shine and tell the story. Right. But anyway, after um, I worked in that capacity the last five years I was at the brewery, I didn't have a specific marketing area anymore. However, I, did get, I was on call to go wherever they needed me, and I did a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of trade shows and a lot of speaking and uh, so on and so forth. I think that's really valuable. Oh, it is. I'm, I, I enjoy speaking. Some people stand up in front of a crowd and they lock up. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. me, I just love public speaking. You know, I get. Yeah. And you know, you're damn good at it. Well, never had any formal training, but it came naturally. It was, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Anyway, but um, um, I had just turned um, 66. And I thought, you know, it's um, it's time to retire. I mean, I'm uh, – and, and, and in a lot of sense, you know, when you're dealing with craft beer and, and, and that type of thing, you're dealing with a much younger crowd. Now, you're not dealing with 21-year-olds. With the craft beer market, you're dealing with people who are, you know, 25 to 45 yeah. kind of. But still, when you're dealing with a younger crowd, sometimes nobody wants to see grandpa show up, you know. Yeah. But anyway, I thought, yeah, I think it's time to give it a rest and move on. And, and that's actually something I want to make a point about too because Mark has told me this as well because um, you and Mark both came from when you know, Fritz owned the brewery. Yes. And he said Fritz made sure that you guys were set up with a good retirement plan because a lot of breweries don't think about succession and the future um, – 
and you know planning and retirement and you guys actually had there was a plan what he did is he established a 401k and he would match your contribution at six percent that's like unheard of almost holy moly up to a certain amount i forget what it was what i did was i contributed the maximum allowable amount but fritz was so much more forward thinking than a lot of oh he encourages heavily I do want to mention real quick, because we are in Sonoma County and next to Marin County here, mm-hmm. that um, you were in charge of the ale stands for the Renaissance Fair and the Dickens Fair too or just the Ren Fair? Oh, yeah. Fair? Dickens Fair too. Dickinson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So for those of you guys who don't know, that like we had the best Renaissance Fair here. It was at Black Point. Um, and were you there when it was at Stafford Lake as well? No. No. But the Black Point Renaissance Fair. Do you remember that? Uh, it was well, in Marin County in Nevada, and they had the best like English ales, and they always had the anchor, and it was so great. I worked for that company. The Pattersons. Yes, the Pattersons. Ron and Phyllis Patterson. Yep. I worked for them for six years, and um, uh, I ran their uh, – I did a number of things. The first uh, – mainly it was grounds maintenance and all of that kind of stuff and and um, uh, making sure that there was sanitation and potable water and hay bales and garbage pickup, this stuff. Anyway, and they had these lemonade stands because they didn't have an alcohol license. And, but since I was the guy with the trucks and all of that, I just I handled all of the stuff for these lemonade stands. And then uh, Phyllis came to me one day when they had – my second year with them, the first year Black Point. She says, well, we've got an alcohol license, and uh, we we're, we want to sell beer. Do you think you could do that, Bob? <laughs> oh, well, sure, of course I can do that. Eh, no, nothing to that it. That was in the 60s, right? No, that would that would have been in 72. Um, uh, okay. 72. And so – and then I said, <gasps> I better go. So I did some research, and I, and I ran around, and I checked out uh, beer wholesalers and um, uh, hit on one. That was uh, in Marin County that just so happened to be called Anchor Distributing Company <laughs> and was the master wholesaler for Anchor Steam Beer. And Fritz and Mark had been going to England checking out English beers and here you were doing Renaissance Fair. Yeah, so so I thought – funny. And so uh, I bought my beer from him because he had some imports there and, and stuff and uh, he delivered them and, uh, and I got a uh, – a pretty good education in how to deal with draft beer and so on and so yeah. forth and setting up these ale stands and, and getting to run like clockwork. I had a younger brother who was big whiz and he, he was my assistant and we we um, we ran these things. Oh, they had another Renaissance Fair in L.A. too. So we were doing two Renaissance Fairs Oh yeah. plus the Dickens Christmas Fair. And uh, I was there uh, until 1976. So I – don't know if you are comfortable with with this, but and you know, oh, give it a give it a try. Give it a whirl. I'll uh, give it a whirl anyway. So I am seeing you know with this big news about anchor closing, I've seen some people post and I and comment. Well, I, I think Sapporo had this planned all along that they were going to close it because they're competition. I'm like Mark and I had a talk. Mark Carpenter and I had to talk about this earlier today. I already thought there, there's no way because I've met the folks from Sapporo. I do not think that, that personally that – and Mark doesn't either – that they bought it to close it. I think they had – the Japanese had a strong reverence for the history of Anchor. But you know, there might have been some questionable – like they might have made a few mistakes in with some of the things they did. But the one that 
kicked a lot of us in the gut at the beginning was the label change. I have much to say about all of that. <laughs> okay. I'll start out by saying that um, uh, in, the, uh, in the world of corporate acquisitions, uh, one entity purchasing another uh, for the intent of dismembering it and selling off its parts for profit mm-hmm. is not unheard of. No. Okay? And we do know some big companies, I'm not going to name, who have done that. Okay. But I don't – In the world of brewing, that is generally not the case. Now, some – there have been some acquisitions where they wanted – they bought a brewery just to get the product brand mm. and its marketing and its distribution. And they didn't want the brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. And for a while there in the 70s, the landscape of America was cluttered up with many, many regional breweries, you know, and the hundreds of thousands of barrel uh, capacities that um, uh, were empty and their brands um, were taken over by another entity and brewed by a bigger brewery at their more modern facility and still marketed as a brand. But uh, that wasn't the case. I, I do believe that Sapporo actually bought the brewery uh, with the intent of um, of keeping it as it was and um, uh, continuing to sell a craft brew in America and maybe build it. Now, they have purchased other breweries, um, uh, and there have been other corporate buyouts of large corporations buying well-known breweries. Uh, our very own Lagunitas here in town uh, is owned by Heineken. Right. Um, uh, and there, there, there's many other examples. Uh, Sapporo, indeed, has just within the last year purchased Stone Brewing Company. I think that was a mis- personally. I think that was a mistake. But anyway, and what happened with Sapporo is, is that I believe that they made two uh, big mistakes. Uh, one was that I believe that they miscalculated the current craft beer market. Now, back in the day, there were, oh, my goodness gracious, there's now 200 microbreweries and craft breweries in America. Look at that. Now I think there's, what, 10,000 or something if you count all the little brew pubs and everything. Mm -hmm. So even though craft beer became very, very popular and had a very broad base, it was diluted by by many, many, many players. And then you get a pandemic to top that. Okay. (laughs) That didn't help. Okay, so you have that. So that's going to restrict your, your capability of uh, growth. Um, and then they decided that, well, maybe we could jumpstart this a little bit by changing our marketing. Yeah. And um, their idea of changing the marketing uh, was, well, we'll rebrand the, the products and we'll change the labels, we'll change the packaging, and we'll have a new face. Okay, and that's that, that – uh, was a very bad decision, and it was universally reviled by everybody else yeah. in the industry. And um, lamented big time. And um, and that didn't help either. And then on top of that, we throw in a pandemic. Yeah. And um, everything else. And now their sales are declining. Their marketing isn't 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 going anywhere. There we have to cut costs, so they laid off their entire marketing department. Uh-huh. Every one of the sales reps just about were gone. So they had no direct marketing. Nobody in the market. No feet on the ground. No, no faces. No faces. Talk right. to, okay. Yeah. So, and that didn't help either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a few other ancillary things that went on, and we were at the same time uh, experiencing a uh, dramatic 
uh, concentration of wholesalers. Where it used to be every market had had three, four distributors. You'd have a Bud guy and a Miller guy and a Coors guy right. and an independent. And then all of a sudden now we find that we have a couple of nationwide distributing behemoths who have bought up distributorships all over the place. And then instead of dealing with a local guy, you're dealing with a guy that owns 15 distributorships across the country. And they um, they want you to hand them a prepackaged product like Corona that's already selling great, and then they'll take it from there. And they're not interested at all in um, uh, building small brands. Say, building brands. And so um, you end up going into these markets and – now, there have been some third-level distributors like this fellow here in town here, you know, Ron. Oh, Morris, yeah. Yeah, Ron Morris has got – They've been great. Yeah. He's the, well, what, he's a court of last resort for small uh, brands because he'll take them on and he'll work them because that's all he's got. And he does mm-hmm. a good job. It's well thought of. And, yeah, and they actually send their reps in in person and they call you and they text you. and they Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, so so yeah. we see that. But, but – um, uh, that doesn't help if you're locked into contractually into a distributor, uh, like we were in San Francisco, who suddenly announced that they were only going to distribute. They're only going to deliver once a month. Okay, <laughs> the little bar can't take a month's worth of kegs. Oh my goodness! At one time, they got no place to put them. Especially in San Francisco, a place like that. Yeah. So anyway, so there were um, difficulties with distribution, and then you throw in a pandemic. And then there were a few other things too. So they they they, they made a couple of missteps, mm-hmm. and uh, from which they they did end recover. Yeah, but I I my, myself and, and and Mark and I were talking about this. I in no way feel like they bought it to close it. I had no, I I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah, and I want and I and I and I'm had people saying this like I'm seeing it on Facebook and Instagram and stuff, and I'm like, and I want to dispel. That feeling, because I've, I've I've had lunch with these folks. I've been there for the Dave Burkhart, you know, book release. They are they were so proud to have Anchor in their stable. Um, but, well, you know, well, whoever thought of the changing the label of like you guys, what well, were they I mean, and I know that's not the only thing. I I, I I believe that part of the label change was that it's um, vastly uh, uh, less expensive. To make a printing run with a one color on on background label right. than it is to have to make a three or four color label. I have a right. small background in printing, and I used to go out and and do press checks when they were printing labels and six pack carriers and things like that. So I knew what it took, and it was the labels were expensive. Then you end up with something like you know where your packaging costs more than the liquid, you know, and almost every day, and and the labels were expensive. Yes, and I, I believe that that was partially. A cost-cutting move, uh, as well yeah, as the the, the, the um, concept of rebranding. However, back to saying, did they purchase it to dismember it? No, they did not. No, I don't think but, so. But um, with uh, market conditions, um, uh, cost increases, inflation, pandemics, uh, the state of the nation in San Francisco, yeah. um, uh, the turmoil and uh, of uh, Distributorship, cost of freight, um, uh, all of these things uh, uh, cascading together Perfect storm. created a situation where they were just losing money. And uh, there was another thing that happened there, which I'm not going to get into. Um, well, I'm just not going to get into that particular one. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, not either. Which drove up costs enormously. 
And so finally they got to the point where they've said, well, we can no longer um, uh, sustain the losses. Mm -hmm. See, they really initially thought that they were going to use that brewery to brew Sapporo beer for the American market, most notably draft. But the steam beer brewing process is very different from a lager brewery, even though they probably could have pulled it off. The way that brewery was set up is not conducive to making a whole lot of lager beers, okay? They would have had to have done a lot of retooling. It just wouldn't have been cost-effective or efficient. And that's one thing that they uh, probably didn't think out too clearly when they went in there. So that took that off the table, and then and that was, was a, just another uh, factor, I believe, in, 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 the, in the ultimate situation that we find today. Now... Uh, what with all of these sour grapes and doomsayers and everything else, when a when an entity, entity like a uh, much beloved historical entity like Anchor um, looks like it's it's gone, somebody wants to point fingers. Right. And Sapporo is the villain here. They're yeah. they're the big, but they're the largest brewery in Asia. They are a big, huge, blind, uncaring, cold heartless, greedy corporate entity, and uh, it's all their fault. Well, they certainly um, stumbled on it a little bit here. But uh, there was a lot of help from a lot of outside influences, too. A lot of circumstances, yeah. Yeah, and I I, I agree. It's unfair to to blame them the way I've seen um, – uh, on the on the internet, yeah, and uh, it's unrealistic, and uh, it's knee jerk, and these mm-hmm. people who like to call stuff like this out mm-hmm. really haven't thought things through. Right, they're villainizing them, and and I I have had some people like shred on me about that on Facebook. They don't really completely understand it's the a complicated- entire beer market is having a time. It's beer republic. I mean. Holy moly. I mean, we've got all these. There's, we're not even like, I, I asked uh, Tara, you know, Tara Nuren, uh, the writer, if she could get me some numbers. So many breweries have closed since the start of the pandemic. And I mean, this one hits home more because of Anchor's history and, like I was saying, mm-hmm. also the, the relationships and stuff as well. But there's been, this isn't, there's, there's something going on in the beer market. And world and consumers, you know. Well, when you're manufacturing a, a consumer product, especially something like beer, it's a complicated process. It's time-consuming. It's expensive mm-hmm. with multiple ingredients. And there are – every little brewery, every brewery has a different corporate dynamic. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, many of the, the, the more successful ones – and at this point, I will point out Russian River. Mm-hmm. The principals, Natalie and Vinny, are certifiable rock stars. No doubt. And they're very nice and very personable people who have run a very tidy and a very well-managed uh, organization. And uh, they are successful as well they deserve to be. And I've known them mm-hmm. since they were down in San Diego many, many years. And uh, they certainly deserve all the success they can. And so I take that from some other breweries like uh, maybe Sierra Nevada where you had Ken Grossman. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've had a few other breweries where the principal of the brewery 
as a character. He's an icon. He's friendly. He's the face of his company. And there have been some other ones where the owner is uh, is not there mm-hmm. or he's uh, an uncomfortable person to be around or he's just plain an arrogant jerk. <laughs> and we both met them. Yes. And so th- these are the different corporate dynamics that you, you have. And um, I believe that um, – uh, Sapporo did not buy Anchor to dis- dismember, it, to dismember it, nor did they buy it to fail. No. They made some miscalculations, and uh, they had a little help along the way with uh, circumstances beyond their control. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean it, to, to survive this long, even during the pandemic, through, through all of this is absolutely – But, you know, ha- have, having said all of this and having been away from there for six years – and kind of witnessed everything that was going on, much of which I thought, oh, you guys, what oh, what are you doing? What what are you doing? <clears throat> um, they should have done what Keith Gregor and those guys did and called you in and did a little – maybe just yeah, a but little see, recon. But, but, but then when they were doing some stuff, they didn't listen to me either. You know, <laughs> Some of their marketing, you know, I, I thought that was a little – well, anyway. So they, they, they came from, from, from a spirits background, both right. of them. And they tried to, to – They uh, made Sky – Profitable. They they uh, were trying to to, to 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 lay one marketing strategy from spirits onto beer, and and, and they're two uh, different um, uh, they're two different animals. Right. And I often thought that you could take a beer guy and you could turn him into a spirits guy, but you it doesn't work the other way. Mm-hmm. Profitability levels are different. Marketing's different. Uh, uh, distribution's different. Uh, completely, and it just it doesn't mesh all the way down the line. Although there are a lot of little breweries that got into the spirits business, Anchor being one of them. And uh, there's a few others. And, uh, and and on a small scale, they are being successful. It's going to be interesting in the next few years. I, I think I'm, um, I'm, I'm saddest about the people who work there. And uh, I'm very sad about the Christmas sale. As are we all. And that actually, you know, Mark and I talked to the very first podcast we did, Mark Carpenter was on, and we talked about when they had made their decision to to not sell outside of California. And he was like, well, you know, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad decision. Like, you know, I mean, look at look at Russian River. Like, they, they do only, you know, you can make it almost exclusive in a way. And Well, they Christmas pulled back sale. a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. And if they had done the Christmas sale, like who knows? Maybe you would have had a line for Christmas sale, like the, like you do for Pliny the Younger. If they did only sell it at the brewery at a certain amount of time, and well, you know, we're dealing with uh, you know woulda, coulda, shouldas here. And right. uh, well, the real ifs. estate in San Francisco that Anchor Brewing is in has to be worth a fortune, and I'm sure well, that can well, be a, all, a small part of their all real estate thought of it in San Francisco is is very very pricey. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, I'm sure that it is. However, in order to convert that particular piece of pricey real estate into something you could use, I don't know what you'd do with it. I mean, you could pull it down and build condos or you could convert it or whatever. But dismantling a brewery is no easy task. And f- whoever purchases that, whatever. Especially that brewery. It's going to, it's going to be very expensive to dismantle that thing. Okay, so that that um, that is a story that has yet to be told. We'll see how that works. What do you think the chances there's going to be a Hail Mary and somebody comes in and buys the both the brand 
and the ability. I've heard that Sapporo won't sell the the brand and the recipes, the name Anchor, without selling the whole. Yeah, they the want. They, 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 they would rather sell the whole thing to one entity. Because yeah. I've heard Sierra almost bought it, but they wanted to save the name and they wanted to save the branding and they wanted to save the recipes. This is what I heard. Doesn't mean that it's what happened, guys. Okay. But and then, but they were told that no, the whole thing goes together. Two days ago. When I first got an inkling of what was going on that the brewery might be sold, and then somebody speculated, well, maybe another Northern California brewery, and a few names were thrown out there, and I and I ticked them off. Can't afford it. Can't afford it. Can't afford it. Can't afford it. Isn't interested. Okay. So, yeah, I was thinking Seismic could afford it. Who? Seismic, they're owned by Kendall Jackson. Well. And Tara Nuren wants uh, Boston Beer to buy it, if possible, if, if Sierra can't do it. And I don't know. I would just – I would like no to No comment. See. I know. I know. <laughs> but at this point, it would be like – it would be nice to see a Hail Mary and uh, save this iconic, iconic brewery and those copper kettles and taking – my international friends there. And actually, I do want to say this too. So this is different also. So I see people – like there's all these articles right now, of course, all over the beer world. Of course. Um, and not even just the beer world, like like TV and all those – Bloomberg actually called me today about this. Yes, you, they anchors the second oldest brewery in America. Yulingling, which I'm probably saying wrong. Yingling. Is, yeah, the, is the oldest. But they only did you know some you – know, the loggers and they did – um, they didn't do the, the same way that that anchor did, but but the, here's the difference too. Like what internationally, because you know I judge beer all over the world. So I've heard. Yeah, <laughs> and I and, and we both have friends all over the world. You don't ever ever hear them talk about Ling Ling, but when Mark went to Poland, and and after I had been judging there, and I hooked, I connected him with my my friend Archer Nabrowski, who, who's a beer judge but also a, a historical tour guide. And I set uh, Mark and his wife up to do a tour with him. Archer got tears in his eyes when he met Mark because Anchor was one of the first beers that came into these countries like Poland and Lithuania after the Soviet Union and, um, you know, the communists had left. Anchor was one of the – like the first breweries – that came in there, and they remember it, and they remember their, you know, their families having it, and it, it meant something to them. Mm-hmm. It means something to us, but it meant somebody, something to someone who had state-owned breweries, which meant, you know, owned by the Soviets or whoever, like mandated, mm-hmm. like not Crafton, but to have an American brewery come in, that it, it meant something to them. It meant freedom. And they all tell me this. Ah. They all tell me this. And so when I see people posting all over the world about the loss of Anchor, it means something even deeper to them. Yeah. Well, there is always the possibility of a Hail Mary. These are, as, 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 the, uh, as the, the, the Brits would say, these are early days. These are early days. And um, it's, it's an early day, actually. <laughs> and um, uh, anything is possible. And we could speculate until the cows come home. <laughs> and uh, one never knows. Mm-hmm. But um, 
even though I have not been a part of of uh, Anchor for uh, and you know, and I even missed the the the, the party for the history book. I missed mm-hmm. that one. That was so good. I've just been around, haven't been around, but try not to be very emotional about it. But there's a part of yeah, me that I'm getting teary. There's a part of me that is um, that is sad because I did spend um, the better part of my adult working life working uh, with uh, Anchor Brewing Company in various capacities and working for Fritz and working with Mark and working with all of those people. And um, uh, it's um, – and when I retired, I was a little sad too because it's, it's, it's like giving up your family a little bit. And and when I retired, I had this huge network of all these distributors and salespeople and everything all around the country that I had been in contact with for years. And it's like all of a sudden they're gone. And there's a few of them that I still hear from. Uh, but over the years that since I've since I retired from Anchor, most of the legacy employees are gone. And with the exception of a couple of brewers, right. there's there's only four I think people working there still. Yeah. That I know, and um, it, it's sad. I, I, I reflected a, a little bit on it this morning, um, but then again, they say you know don't cry over spilt milk. You know there can't be any growth without change, and nothing is forever. And whatever little adage or philosophical bent you want to put on it, it is too bad. Yeah, and uh, it does make me very sad, a little bit sad, but. Um, and it didn't have to be this way, but that's the heart. That's, but now that it is um, an accomplished fact, you just have to kind of deal with it. And we can all hope against hope <laughs> that there might be, you know, a glimmer of sunshine somewhere. Here's but uh, uh, <laughs> but other than that, um, I had a very good run at anchor. And I got to be – I got to be me and I got to get out there and meet all these people and I got to travel and I got to do things that I enjoyed doing and what I did best. I got to uh, – which is basically talking to people and meeting people and, uh, and, and engaging with people and, uh, and that's, um, that's an affirming kind of thing, you know. Uh, and I could have spent my life, you know – Chained to it, changed to a punch press, you know, at the at the factory or something or a like desk. that. But, but I got to get out there and uh, and hold forth and 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 I thank Fritz and Mark for that uh, opportunity uh, to 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 get into something like that and get some sort of really nice fulfillment out of my adult work in life. It was uh, it was a great experience. It was a very good run. I see you as. Of course, a legend, and you know you and Mark and people like Dave McLean, and um, just as this unique legend legacy. And I don't know if we'll ever see the types of people that have been done the beer world. Judy Ashworth and Ah, uh, Judy Miguel. Yes, oh, known her forever. So love it. I, I need to get her in here. Um, Look up Lions, uh, Lions Pub. Yeah, her first pub burnt down. I know, and the story was. Well, it was uh, the, the the Jason Building was a feed store. Yep. 
And it caught on fire and it took out her took out her pub. And she said the next day you and Mark Carpenter came walking down the street with a case of beer on each shoulder to help her get started again. Yep. We did. She, wow. was, she was our gal. And well, that is for another story and for another guest. Okay. But tell me, what, what was your favorite beer at Anchor? Liberty Ale. Nice. And that's the other thing all of them could have done. Liberty Ale was the first IPA brewed in America. And it didn't get capitalized on that. But what a Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. Ah, um, there were back in the 19th century. There were a few uh, breweries that made IPAs, and uh, Ballantine. Oh, of course, right? Okay, made an India Pale Ale. It wasn't called an IPA; they called mm-hmm. it India Pale Ale. Very difficult to come by. You could get it on the East Coast. You still get it. You could back then. Oh. I don't think you can anymore. They had but great it, ads. Jay Brooks posts some great ads from them. Yes. Uh, there's all sorts of discussion about who was first and who's the oldest and this and that. Yingling may be older than Anchor, but they were never considered to be a craft brewery until the Brewers Association decided to designate them as one so they could bring them into the fold, which I, see, I thought was sort of a cynical little thing. But uh, <laughs> Anyway. But I want – all of you breweries to survive. All of you guys, you know. Right now, you know, it's time to band together for folks mm-hmm. and um, go to go to your you know your local pub. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're sitting there younger and you're sitting there playing video games and try something different. Like try try something classic. Mm-hmm. Don't just like. You know, don't be fickle. Like, don't look for the newest, you know, well, thing. Something classic. Well, we could go on and on about my, my take on the entire craft beer industry, but um, um, it's ups and downs, and there's originals and imitations. Yeah. And I like them all. I'm an enjoyer voyeur. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of all beer. <laughs> oh, yeah? Uh, well, like I said, it was a good run. Although I'm fond of saying is that sometimes I wish I was actually as famous as everybody seems to think I am. <laughs> Thank well, you, Bob Brewer. Uh, it's with Herlinda, it's always a pleasure. Yes. Let's see how things go. Hey, we may be here next week talking about the Hail Mary. Maybe so. Bring your jersey. I have one. <laughs> and now what am I going to do with all of this old uh, anchor paraphernalia that I got kicking around Hello. my house? You know, you know people. Oh, I do. Yeah. Start with me. I'm 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 one of their biggest fans, and I'm one of your biggest fans, and Mark Carpenter's biggest fan. And let's get Fritz Maytag in here one day. Okay. Call me out. So I want to give you something here. Oh, okay. Let's see if I have it here. Mm-hmm. I have a very rare piece of uh, of anchor paraphernalia here. Do you have one of these? No. <laughs> this is the very limited supply and very, very rare Anchor Steam Beer Titanium Bottle Opener. No way. That you it will never wear out. 
We've all seen the little aluminum bottle openers and stuff that yeah. the jaw wears out they, on. They and break. <laughs> and, and they're clumsy. And this is nice and flat. They made these for for a little while, but they were expensive. And I used to have a give out a few until uh, anyway. So here, I'm going to give you this. Oh my goodness! Thank you. Titanium. It will never wear out. And neither will my affection for anchor and you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. It says, brewed in San Francisco since 1896. <laughs> and if you hold sand it on end, it's actually the signature anchor bottle. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much. I will cherish this. And it's going on my key ring because I drive a lot and mm-hmm. So I get to see this every single day. Thank you so much. And uh, so thanks, folks, for checking in and uh, getting to meet Bob Brewer and hear a little bit more about Anchor and Bob's history with them because he's a big part of that history.